We're going to read the Bible now and we're continuing on in Matthew. Uh, We're reading from Matthew chapter 15 starting at verse 29 and then we'll be going through to chapter 16 uh, verse 12. So hopefully you can find that okay. So Matthew 15 from verse 29. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this amongst themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, if you don't know my mum, she has a superpower. And I only know about my mum, but I'm told that all mums, and in fact wives as well, have this exact same superpower. It's called a mum look. And whenever I lose something, I can search high And lo, I can tear everything out of my room looking for what is lost, never find it. But in the final desperate act, I can always ask my mum where this item is that I'm looking for. And every time, without fail, she'll take two steps in my direction, reach out right in front of me and pick it up, sitting right there the whole time. But we all do that, don't we? We miss what's sitting right there in front of us. For some reason, we just don't see it. 
And missing what's in front of them, forgetting what they've seen, that's what the people in this passage that we read this morning are doing this. So there's three things in this passage this morning that I want to look at that we can learn from Jesus' words to the crowds, to the disciples, and to the religious leaders of the time. Three things we can learn from this text. Firstly, don't miss what God is doing. Uh, Secondly, don't forget what God has done. And finally, don't change what God has said. But before we dive in, let's quickly take a small step back to understand the context in which Jesus is speaking to these various groups of people. See, if you've been with us as we've gone through the book of Matthew, you'll know that we've seen Jesus going from town to town. He's been healing the sick. He's been teaching in parables. He's been performing miracles. And people are hearing about this. Crowds are coming out. If you have a look at me, back in Matthew 15, verse 30 and 31, it says, Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. See, there's miraculous healings here. There's Jesus' power on full display, and it's causing people to praise God. And that's not all. See, as we move on, we look in verse, if you look in verse 32, you'll see that Jesus had compassion for the crowd. After all, they had a long trek back down the mountainside they were on. They were hungry. They had no food. There was no corner store or Macca's drive through for them to just quickly stop in on, on the way back. And even if there was, what corner store has enough food to feed a crowd of over 4,000 hungry families? So Jesus asks his disciples to pull together what food they have. They come up with seven bread rolls and a few small fish. Jesus gives thanks for this food. He breaks it and he starts to divvy it up to the crowd. And after everybody's eaten their fill, the disciples collect up seven large basketfuls of leftovers much more food than they originally had to begin with. See, all this food, it's come from nearly nothing. Again, Jesus' power, it's on full display for everyone to see. Everybody knows. Everybody's talking about Jesus and his power. And that brings me to the first point that I want to make this morning. Don't miss what God is doing. So come with me to chapter 16 again. Let's reread the first verse. Chapter 16, verse 1 says, The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking to show them a sign from heaven. Now, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, they didn't like Jesus very much. So they were continually testing him, asking him to prove that he really had power given from God. See, these religious leaders, they decided that all of Jesus' miracles, his power, his recent feeding of the 4,000, it was, it was just all too practical. Now, they wanted a sign, and they wanted a sign specifically from heaven. See, they wanted God to reveal himself on their own terms. They had a checklist of everything they thought that God should do in order to prove himself. Now, if you make the clouds spell out, Jesus is king, we can be sure that you really are God. 
And it's the same demand that we can so often have too, though, isn't it? Now, God, I wish that you would just fix this problem I'm having. Or God, I wish that you would just give me this thing that I want so that I can be sure you really do love me. But have a look at Jesus' response from verse 2. Chapter 16, verse 2, Jesus says, When evening comes, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, Today will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. I think whether or not we realise that we all love to know what's happening with the weather, don't we? You'll probably step outside after this to get a bit of morning tea. Someone will remark how it's great that the weather's finally started to cool off a bit. Someone else will say, but yeah, did you know there's a 40% chance of rain tomorrow? I just checked. Now, the people in Jesus' day, they didn't have the luxury of the bomb radar to know whether it was going to rain or not. But instead, they'd look up at the sky to figure out the weather they should be preparing for. A red sky in the morning, it meant it was liable to be dark, stormy, overcast, miserable. A red sky at night, it meant you should have a fair weather ahead, a beautiful day coming. See, these religious leaders, they can read the sky and interpret the weather just fine. When it comes to Jesus, they ignore the signs. Jesus has just shown power to heal the sick. He's just shown he has power to multiply such a small amount of food for a crowd of over 4,000 people. People are praising the God of Israel, recognizing it is God's power on display. Yet these Pharisees and Sadducees, they're so caught up in wanting a sign. They completely miss who Jesus is. It's like they're looking at the feet. I know it's going to be raining when I see the ground is wet. Jesus is standing right there in front of them. But they don't recognize him. They don't recognize his power or authority. And we still miss and ignore Jesus today as well. Have you ever had a conversation with a friend and and asked them the question, what would Jesus have to do right now to prove to you that he is real. Maybe you're somebody here who doesn't yet know Jesus and you keep asking that question for yourself. Well, what if you were to pray to him and all of a sudden your grandmother became the picture of perfect health? What if you prayed to him and a wild storm stopped instantaneously? What if a voice came down from the sky to tell you that this was Jesus God's son? What if he were to appear in a room right in front of you, right here, right now? See, these are things that Jesus has already done. Now, we have recorded for us in the Bible more than enough to know who Jesus really is. It's right in front of us. If the color of the sky is enough to know what the weather will be like, then Jesus' life here on earth, it's more than enough to show us who Jesus really is. Now, don't miss what Jesus has done. But it's more than just his healing and his miracles that we can miss. See, in this passage, Jesus says that the religious leaders, they should be on the lookout for a sign, a coming sign. Read with me again verse 4. Jesus says, A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Hey, if you're not familiar with the story of Jonah... I'd encourage you to read it sometime. It's only four chapters. It's a book uh, of the Old Testament. 
And it's an incredible story uh, that tells not only of God's power, but also of God's mercy. But in order to help us understand what Jesus is saying here, uh, in your Bibles with me, turn back a few pages uh, to Matthew chapter 12. See, in Matthew chapter 12, from verse 38, Jesus has a very similar interaction with the scribes and Pharisees. Matthew 12, verse 38 says, And then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered them, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. See, the Pharisees, they're looking for a sign to prove that Jesus was God, with all power, ultimate power and authority. And Jesus tells them that the ultimate showing of his power is coming. In Jesus' own death and resurrection... See, when Jesus died on the cross and rose again after three days, he showed without a shadow of a doubt his power as God. Jesus' death and resurrection is a bright, flashing neon sign that says Jesus is King, Jesus is God. Jesus has all power and authority over everything, even life and death itself. Now, you might be wanting more, but everything is already there for us to see. There's enough there for us to know Jesus, more than enough for us to be able to put our trust in him. See, Jesus calls out the religious leaders for seeking a sign. He calls them a wicked and adulterous generation. Their problem isn't a lack of signs. They just don't want to repent of their sins. They don't want to acknowledge Jesus. Jesus points to the people of Nineveh, They didn't have Jesus standing in front of them working miracles. They just had Jonah, his preaching, the truth of the gospel that he shared. And hearing this message from God, it was enough for them to repent and turn to God. For the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had so much more than than Jonah's preaching. Us here this morning, we have so much more than just Jonah's preaching. So we have Jesus... We have his words, his power, his authority shown for us. We've been given the signs that point to who Jesus is. I encourage you, don't ignore God under the pretense of seeking a sign. Instead, see everything that is there pointing to him. Turn to Jesus and put your trust in him. Don't miss what's right there in front of you. Hey, if you're somebody here who already knows Jesus, who has put your trust in him, seen what he's done, seen who he is, that's fantastic. It's great. But it also brings me to the second point that I want to make this morning. Don't forget what God has done. See, in this passage today, after this interaction with the religious leaders, Jesus and his disciples, we said, they get into the boat together and go off across the lake. And as they're sailing across the lake, Jesus gives them this warning. Have a look at verse 6. Be careful, Jesus said to them, 
Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now remember the disciples, they've been with Jesus for days at this point. They've personally collected up these basketfuls of leftovers after Jesus fed the 4,000 people. They've been first-hand witnesses to his miracles. They've seen first-hand his power and authority. So when they hear Jesus' warning, they come to what really is the only logical conclusion. Jesus has annoyed at us because we forgot to pack lunch. So even the disciples, right in the thick of Jesus' ministry, they so quickly forget what Jesus has done. See, twice they've seen him feed massive crowds from nothing, but they forget Jesus' goodness. They forget the compassion he showed. They forget the power he has and start to worry about where the next meal is coming from. Have a look at Jesus' response to them from verse 8 onwards. From verse 8, Jesus said, You have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves of having no bread? Do you not still understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it that you don't understand I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So you of little faith... It's a very harsh word to the disciples. Jesus just cuts them right down to size, doesn't he? They're just so caught up in their current needs. They're so caught up in their current wants. They forget what Jesus has done and what he can do. As life goes on, as a new day starts with its own problems, Jesus fades from their minds. And in this moment, as Jesus' power and authority fades from their memory, they start to worry They don't remember how God was able to feed people from practically nothing. They just know they're going to be hungry soon. They forget about Jesus, not seeing past lunch. A problem arises when they have spiritual amnesia. They no longer rely on Christ. But spiritual amnesia, it's more common than we can realize. I'd ask you, when something goes wrong in your life, what's your automatic response Is it to look to, to turn to, to rely on Jesus? Or is it to instantly go, how can I fix this myself? What about when things are going well? The bills are paid, you just got a promotion at work, and you're going on holiday next week. Do you turn to, do you look to Jesus? Or do you rely on yourself, the things that you've done in those moments? Do you forget what God has done for you? Look, I know in my own life, I've had times where I've been regular in seeking to remember God, in seeking to spend time in His Word and in prayer. And I've had times where I haven't been regular in that. But it's the times when I've been constantly looking to Him, looking to His Word, knowing who He is. They're the times where I've really known the love and the comfort and the peace that comes from Jesus. It's when I remember who God is, when I constantly look to Him that I feel his care and love for me. Constantly seek to know and remember who Jesus is. Hey, the final thing that I want to look at from the passage this morning is the warning that Jesus gives to his disciples. Don't change what God has said. So come look with me in verse 11 and 12 of chapter 16. Jesus says, 
But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, on the one hand, it's unusual to see the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees grouped together here. See, the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees, while they both claimed to come from God's law, it was quite different to each other. On the one hand, the Pharisees, they love to add to God's law. They put in all these extra rules, and if you followed these extra rules, you became extra holy. On the other hand, you had the Sadducees. The Sadducees, the parts of God's law that they didn't quite understand, the things they didn't quite like or didn't quite fit, they just ignored them. They put them to the side. Both of these approaches, they have one thing in common. They changed God's law to suit their own wants and desires. Now, it's the same attitude that we saw earlier in the chapter when they came to Jesus seeking a sign. They were thinking that what God had given was not good enough, and they wanted more. They wanted God to do things on their own terms. And it's an attitude that's so easy for us to fall into as well. We want God to change what he's given us to suit our own wants and our own needs. We set the agenda. We live our lives how we see fit. Then we add to, we take away from God's word in order to claim that we're still living for Jesus. Maybe you tend to say things like, I know that Jesus tells us to go and to share his gospel, to make disciples of all nations. But I'm really not good with confrontation. So this bit of the Bible is just for those other Christians who are good at that. I'm just going to keep quiet, keep my faith to myself in the corner. Maybe you don't really like what your parents are doing, and you know that you're called to honour your parents, but hey, that was an instruction that was given to a, a different culture in a different time. I know my rights now. Maybe you go the other way. Maybe you trust in your good works. You don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't steal. You show up on time to church every Sunday. You think that this makes you the ultimate Christian, somehow more deserving of heaven than others. But all of this is what Jesus is warning against. See, don't add to or change what God has given us. Don't let society, don't let your friends, don't let your own wants and desires shape the gospel. See, if we change what God has said, then we're no longer living for Christ, but instead we're living for ourselves. Now, at the start of this chapter, we saw the Pharisees and Sadducees demanding a sign from heaven. But it wasn't out of a desire to know Jesus more. They were looking for a reason to ignore him, looking for a reason to discredit Jesus in order to continue living their own life for themselves. They changed what God had said to live by their own rules, their own laws. They looked to themselves instead of looking to Jesus. Don't cherry-pick the gospel Don't just find the passages you like, the passages that suit who you want Jesus to be. But instead, dive deep into his word. See the signs and the wonders that Jesus has given us. His death and resurrection show his power and authority as God. Seek to live a life for Christ and not for yourself. Live a life where you're constantly looking to 
and leaning on Jesus, remembering and giving thanks for who Jesus is, for what he has done for you. Hey, let's pray together. Lord, I just do thank you for the awesome God that you are. I just do thank you for the many signs and wonders uh, that you did here on earth that point uh, to to your person, Jesus, the Son of God, the King and ruler over us all. Lord, I thank you for the ultimate showing of your power, for your death and resurrection on the cross, where you took the punishment for our sins and made us able to be right with you. Lord, I just do pray that you'd help us to be looking to you, seeking to live a life for you according to your laws. Lord, I just do pray that you'd help us in this. I just do pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.